of the uh, Polk Experience, and it's a podcast to talk about the best things in Polk County. This week, we have Dr. 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 Jennifer Stoll with us from uh, Soul Quote Strategies, LLC, out of Colorado. Dr. Jennifer, we just like saying that because Jack and I have figured <laughs> out you're the first doctor that we've had on the show, number one. And um, oh, wait a minute, do we have another? Dr. Sam. Oh, Dr. Sam Silas. I forgot yeah. about that. My, my kids like to remind me I'm not a real doctor. So I have that, I have that level of humility. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a real doctor. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Kids, they keep us grounded, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Keep, for sure. They keep us grounded and keep us humble. But we appreciate you taking some time, Jennifer, to get on here and talk to us a little bit on the folk experience about the industry itself. So we're going to venture away from Polk County, but as you said, it's beginning. Let's just jump right in here. We've got the avalanche, we've got the lightning coming. Uh, you're, we're coming back to Tampa tonight or tomorrow, uh, Wednesday night, Wednesday night for this week to have a game three against the avalanche. Now, what we did, this is all part of the stri- strategy that John Cooper put apart. We let you guys deliberately kick the crap out of us the other night. Gave up. I, did they even have a goalie in with the end? During the game. You know, I'm not sure. That's a lot of goals. That's a lot of goals. That's a lot of goals. I'm pretty sure you had um, 10 men on the field. Isn't that a penalty? Could have been. Could have been. <laughs> we'll take all the advantages we can get. You can blame so, it on the altitude. You're playing in the altitude, you know. I'm not even sure that came into play. <laughs> so we'll get, so this is the way we'll even things off, Kevin. We're going to open the windows to uh, Amelie Arena, let the humidity in. Right, right. And it right. feels like they're sitting on each other's chest. There you go. <laughs> and, and that that actually has happened. You remember uh, uh, not well, it was back in the day when we had um, an event over at now Tropicana Field. We had a, a, a lightning hockey game, and there was so much humidity that built up the ice melted. So it was like they were skating on a slushy pond. So um, we'll, we'll try not to let that, that happen today but or on Wednesday, but, you know, we're hoping the lightning can come back and represent Florida well. And, um, you know, after a thrashing like that, it's going to be, it should be fun. It should be yeah. a fun series. Yeah. Well, I was, I, I was in Tampa last week for the convention of sports and entertainment facilities conference. And I'm pretty sure I was the only Avs fan there. And uh, I think I fell asleep and they had given up the lead. It was three, three. So I was like, Oh geez, here we go. Um, but I was, I was pleasantly surprised when I woke up and, and saw the force. Four three for the F. You know, when we when we talk about these events and we talk especially something like this, we're talking about the Stanley Cup, right? It's clearly one of the greatest sports events that's uh, that's out there in the market. Jennifer, what kind of impact do these kind of events have to our communities and what, what's the lasting impression that these these events have to the community? Yeah, there's so much there, Kevin, to unpack. I mean when we think about events, just our natural inclination is to, is to think about them in terms of the economic value that they provide for communities, which is, which is a really important aspect. Um, but when we're sitting here bantering about it and, and, and laughing, and it's a point of connection for a few people who are just getting to know each other, it, it just goes to reinforce that there's so much more to sport, right? There's so much more. The, the economic piece is important, but the social development piece, the awareness and exposure that it provides to our communities. It's just such a bigger picture than what we often give it credit for. Yeah, it really does find communities. It brings them together. 
in a lot of different ways. Is it something that, and we're talking on a professional level, and we'll, we'll kind of get move that down the, the road a little bit, but on a professional level, is it something that you see that, that, you know, can be a lasting impression on the community? It really can. I mean, you look at the, you know, there's this old concept where when we talk about our teams, we talk about it in the first person, like we were the one that actually put on the pads and grabbed the hockey stick and went out on the ice that day. Well, that's couldn't be further from the truth. I wouldn't know the first thing about skating. I'd fall <laughs> flat on my face. But it's so intrinsic to us from a, from a personal perspective that we say, oh, we won this week. There's actually some research where where, you know, we take it on personally when the team did that we're cheering for does well, and we actually push it off uh, personally when the team lost. So we won, but they lost. So you, you can be the same team, right? And yeah. It just goes to speak absolutely. to how, 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 how much of a part of us sport can become. And that's, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you're talking about professional or collegiate or your, your local youth sport team. Yeah, absolutely. They typically will see an uptick in a particular sport, especially after a good series like hockey or um, I, I can't say baseball, but some of the others where soccer would be one uh, after the World Cup. They typically will see an uptick in communities of a particular sport like that. I know when I was a kid and we would, would watch Wimbledon and I would watch, um, I'm dating myself, Arthur Ashe play, uh, mm -hmm. being an, an African-American young man from the South. Uh, to watch him play in, at Wimbledon and win, I would then go out and we, I started playing tennis from there. That's what got me into playing tennis. Yeah. So those are the types of things we like to see in our communities, right? They impact the community. Yeah, you can even argue that there's, you know, there's a, at least a perceived value on being in a community that has a, a successful pro, pro sports franchise or collegiate or university team irrespective of whether you ever step foot in the stadium or in the arena to watch that game. Right. And, and, and what that does for the, the culture and the community building, it gives a, gives like a common flag that's planted that folks can get behind. And it's a common point of connection that builds community pride. It builds um, connectedness. It, it builds all these positive factors of, of why we live and work and play in a place. Yeah. You know, um, and Jack and I were both having this conversation a little bit earlier before we jumped on the line with you. And, you know, sports tourism, and, and this is one of the things I think most communities have a tendency to struggle with, is that uh, the connection between tourism, sports, community, and all of the things that it can bring uh, as far as what the benefits are to the local people coming into that and seeing Okay, we've got 100 teams here. Yay. You know, hotels are full. Yay. What does that mean for me? Right. So the, is it, how, does that, how does that connection? And that, I, I think I read in one of your papers that, that value proposition yeah. that comes out of that. Yeah, that's been a tough putt for a lot of years. And, you know, I, I, I guess I always look at it like tourism. We think of non-local people coming to our market. That's, that's the bread and butter of tourism. And there was kind of this stigma like, hey, the tourism departments and stuff like that, don't, local populace, don't worry about it because you're already here. We're not marketing to you. You shouldn't see it. You shouldn't know it. Well, what that did is it really made a disconnect for the local population to understand the value that they personally derive and the community derives from those efforts. And 
when you're talking about what that value is, I mean, we, we just mentioned some of the things that come with the sports side of it, but you know, those, those, those visitors coming to your community, yeah, they're staying in your hotels and, uh, but they're producing a sales tax when they spend money in your community. And that sales tax goes right into your public coffers. And those public coffers pay for things like infrastructure, like law enforcement and safety, like new park development. They also subsidize, you know, with their spending, they also subsidize restaurants and attractions and those sorts of things. When you start to think about it, we're actually leveraging those non-local visitors in our communities for things that we enjoy year round. You may go to a destination for a weekend soccer tournament, and that's great that there's an influx of people that spend in your community, but what they're actually doing is subsidizing the reason you live there in the first place. And that's, those are things contributing to quality of life of your place, um, to access to all those amenities and attractions and restaurants and things going on that make it a place where you want to live, where you want to have a business and you want to, you know, bring, bring your family. Exactly. There are, I had to write a note down because I'm, I'm getting old. I can't remember everything. Uh, <laughs> When we look at this, and like you said, you were just in Tampa for a facilities conference. When you start looking at how many facilities are being built around the country, um, are they beginning to have these conversations that go hand in hand with that economic development end of this business? Um, because for so many years, right, the economic impact, economic development were apart. What are you seeing as far as the trends for economic development uh, and facility building in this country? Yeah, I think I've, I've never seen it go as fast and furiously towards economic development. I mean, tourism is economic development. And for the longest time, the industry, for some one reason or another, didn't necessarily view it that way. It was often siloed in communities. But now, you know, whether it's from the pandemic, I would argue that probably was starting to occur before the pandemic, that need for the for, for really solidifying the value proposition to the local populace, to the local community has never really been greater. It's funny because when I wrote my dissertation, my dissertation is a boring read. I mean, I don't, I definitely don't recommend anybody read it unless you have a really, really hard time going to sleep one night. But the whole premise was around this. So I live in Grand Junction. We host the Junior College World Series here. We've had it for 65 plus years. It is the official start to summer in our community. But Kevin, it's a double, it's a 10 team double elimination tournament. After the first few, few days, your field drops in half. And I also know enough about sports to know, you know, junior college baseball, while it's fantastic, don't get me wrong, they're not traveling with thousands of fans and pep bands and all the things that we see. But what struck me was how big of a role, if you ask anybody in this community, what is the number one event? in the Grand Junction community on an annual basis, they'll say hands down, it's the Junior College World Series. Well, if the stands are filled, you know, they do great legacy programming. So why is that? It's, it's because it's woven into the fabric of our community. It's the reason people come back and visit. It's the reason people move businesses here in a lot of regard. So that same premise sort of holds true. It's like, there, there's more to it than just the economics. You know, from the venue side, what you asked about, I don't see a slowdown happening. I see I see more tourism and more even venue managers, venue developers from this last week um, at that conference I mentioned, really digging in and saying, how do we articulate our full value? How do we demonstrate? How do we become part of the community? And we're talking about you know big organizations that are managing 
in some cases, hundreds and hundreds of facilities and venues across the country really wanting to dive in and be a community asset, not just a property manager. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I know Jack can reference that because here in Polk County, um, you know, we are the water ski capital of the world. And so Jack has had his hands in water skiing. Yeah, he's had his hands and some and sometimes his feet in the water skiing. And and Jack, you've seen that too, right? You know, it's amazing how the impact of one sport in an area continues to its water, I hate to use the phrase, ripple out. That the, you know, what came here uh, from World War II has continued to really be a defining for the city of Winterhaven. It defines the city as the water ski capital sure. of the world, the history with Cypress Gardens. And, and when it comes to other areas in the, in the country, and, and you were saying that the, the pandemic has started of, sort of uh, maybe fueled some of the, of the uh, investment. In, in facilities. As with other uh, items with the pandemic, do you think it just, it just sped up something that was already going to happen? Yeah, I think it did. Um, you know, time will tell, right? Uh, but, but I really, you're, you're right, Jack, and that's the cool part about, about the sports side of it is that every destination is different. Every destination has a different set of venues and facilities, you know, some man-made, some, where I live, we've got 10,000 miles of trails, right? Now, granted, I man made those trails, but we had the land in which we could do that. So, so that's the cool part about when it comes to sport is every community's asset port, you know, profile is completely different. So where your area might be the, the, the global center for water skiing, mine is mountain biking. It doesn't, and that's the unique part about sport is that it doesn't matter what type of community you're in. It really doesn't even matter on size. It's proportionate from huge, large markets, like the ones we saw getting awarded a World Cup um, last week, to the smallest markets all have some level of asset, right? And it's how you capitalize on those and how you sort of plant the stake to say this is part of our identity. And then like Kevin was saying, that culture just kind of grows and blossoms around it. And that's when it's that's when it's really fun, right? Because it starts to it starts to give give shape and meaning to the place. Right. Right. And and you know, in, in speaking of the pandemic, I mean we we're trying not to say that word anymore. That we should just call it the event that should never be said again. Yeah, yeah um, the unspeakable. <laughs> the unspeakable, right? The the, the pandemic. So um, I think we're going to put that on a bumper sticker. That might be Jack and I are looking for a way to retire. So that might that might have just been it. Not together. Um, not, not together. together. Yeah. So yeah. make that clear. Not together. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what I was saying is that the the four CTA state of the industry report that came out um, benchmarked in 2019 how high sports tourism was in the country, and of course that event that we had in 2020, but now we're starting to see that rebound. Do you see us exceeding the 2019 benchmark in the next 12 to 14 months? And I know that's an economist question. Yeah. I'm just asking from, this is me and you and Jack talking. Yeah, no yeah, yeah. Not being recorded, it. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really good question. I mean, sport definitely, you know, look, it's sport and leisure. Leisure, the demand rebounded very quickly um, and sport just as quickly. Um, 
So we were only in 2010, we were like 10% off of 2019 numbers, which is insane. Now that took, the, that volume of traveler took a little bit different shape. Maybe you didn't travel with the, your, your entire family, maybe you road tripped a little bit further than taking uh, an airplane. Maybe you didn't stay that extra night, but the spending, the direct spend was not that far off. I mean, we were 45.1 billion in 2019 and we were 39.7 billion um, in 2021. So whether, first of all, that, that recovery is incredible, incredible. Um, but whether we'll eclipse 2019 numbers, uh, you know, we do that study on an every other year basis. Little did we know the unspeakable would happen in 2019. It would provide a very good high water mark to stay on, on the water theme. Whether that will eclipse in 2019, you're right. Look, I'm not an economist. Um, I'm not a real doctor, as my kids like to say, right? <laughs> but but what's interesting, I think, is that we're going to have a whole other set of circumstances that are going to play a part in those numbers going forward, because we're looking at inflation, we're looking at the change in interest rates, we're, we're looking at a number of factors that might be completely independent of the unspeakable that could impact um, what we would see in, say, 2023 figures. So it's going to be really hard to correlate necessarily apples to apples to say this is just based on full recovery from the unspeakable or all these other things that are happening or could happen between now and then when the data is collected. I think the, the trend line is good. You know, our third issue of the report, well, well they usually say three is a trend in research, but you, know, you kind of have that outlier, outlier of the unspeakable. There's no doubt that it's growing. We're seeing it on the facility development side of side of things that that shows no signs of slowing down, whether it will in five, 10 years. I'm not sure. But right now we're still going full bore on developing youth and amateur sporting complexes. So I think the demand is still there, um, but it could be a very different set of circumstances that we're looking at and how it impacts numbers going forward. Yeah, and I, and I think. Um... And it's so well put, Jennifer, by the way, because <laughs> that was a tough question. That, that was an economist question. I, and I kind of put you on the spot there and, and you did really well with that. I thank you for, for answering yeah. that. Um, but, you know, the 2020, uh, 2010, when we saw everything escalate back to that 45 billion was, you know, the, the snapback from 2008 and nine. You know, we've seen this happen a couple of times. And, and as we always like to say, in, in any industry is everything's great until the next time. And right. there, there will be a next time. There's going to be something else, as you said, that will impact how we, uh, how we do business. I think one of the things that, that we really would like to get into a little bit with you is, is understanding how sports tourism not only came to be, but how we began to look at it as an industry that as a business, I, I mean, yep. I, I know when I got into this in 2090 something another, we didn't view it as a business. So how how did we make that turn? It was after what 2001 maybe that that this became this kind of industry. Yeah, that's you know, it's like it's a really interesting point that you bring up, Kevin, because you know, sport has been around for a long, long time, and you can even trace back to. You know, the ancient Greek and Roman, I usually when I present this, I put a slide up of um, some of those ancient facilities in the stadium and things like that, where it's, you know, we're talking 776 BC, right? 
So right. somebody planned those events. Somebody said what events are happening, the days they're happening, who's competing. And they built a venue so that 50,000 people could show up for that. So when you think about the history of sports tourism, um, now they might not have been racking up points at, you know, the Marriott or something like that, but they still traveled <laughs> great distances to see these competitions taking place. So the, the essence of the industry is, is ancient, quite literally, in, in nature. Um, how it transitioned into big business and, and big dollars, you know, I don't know exactly what it looked like back then, but I think there was a, there was a moment when, when tourism were, was really taking off and really the, the formalization of the structure of, of youth sport and participation and seeing travel sport emerge and, you know, mass participation, mass spectatorship, venues and events really started to shift, you know, to, to raise eyebrows, if you will, like, oh, dang, there's actually, there's something here and um, we can leverage that to our ability. Maybe it's so that we don't have to travel every weekend with our kid to their basketball tournament, like my parents did meet with me growing up. Or maybe it's, you know, maybe there was a foresight into how it can, can be a part of fostering community and economic development on the local level. But but to me, I think more than anything, it was the it was the demand side of it from the participants and the spectators. As these things emerge, uh, as these as these things emerge, these opportunities emerge, just started a snowball effect of communities wanting to take advantage of it and say, how do we do this at our local level? And 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 they also saw it as a tool for getting the name, you know, their brand and identity out there as a community as as well. And that's a that brand identity and awareness of the local community is is a huge, huge piece of um, the impact that sports tourism has on a destination even today. Yeah, because you talk a little bit about output and outcomes of communities, right? The product and services and organizations provide yep. and the outcome of the organization hopes to achieve by supplying the product, um, which... I'm reading your paper. I have it here in front of me. <laughs> You're so. the one. It was you and my mom. <laughs> Actually, but, it's that, it sounds like, Kevin, that the demographics for her paper are very similar to the demographics for our podcast. Yeah. 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 I love it. Yeah. I love it. Our parents, and uh, and that's about it. So. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Mom. Yeah. We, <laughs> we, we did have one listener from Japan at one point. Okay. Think, that's awesome. Yeah, we, yeah, well, we think they he couldn't sleep either. Session. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. it was the middle of the day over there. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, talking about output and outcome uh, for communities and and yeah. what it is that that's being put into the marketplace. Um, you know, here in Polk County, I keep you see how I keep doing that. I keep bringing it back in Polk County, so we can get the sponsors. We we have no sponsors, so yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> we don't have any sponsors. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but, you know, we bring it back to Polk County and we talk about, we always talk about when we, we are looking at expanding uh, new uh, complexes here in the community um, and having that ability for the local youth organizations to play on quality fields. Is that, is that part of the equation for a lot of these folks that are building these days? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're looking for anchor tenants, right? And, um, you know, Salem, Virginia is a great example of that, what John Shaner and the crew do up there. They've got, right. you know, championship quality softball venues. They're hosting D2 national championships and, and stuff like that. Um, those are weekend tournament facilities 
that that subsidizing local youth being able to play on those quality of fields during the week. So I, I think it's a huge it's a huge factor um, when it comes to it because again we're we're developing community and and that's the great thing about sport is that it, and you talked about it Kevin with the input output outcome and not to be too theoretical about it but normally our visitors are input and our output is to get more visitors right we want more of them to come um, my contention is that we actually want to use those visitors as we, we want to use those visitors as inputs to, to get these other outcomes, which are community driving ones. And that could take the shape of, of new facility and venue development or new sporting event opportunities or, you know, the litany of things that, that are supported by um, your local governments as well. When it comes to the, the new fields, the facilities being built and that sort of, is there a, a, a key trend that you see uh, nationwide as far as sort of a common theme? I mean, whether it's a softball field or a soccer field, or is there something that the, yeah. that the, the organizers are looking for? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll jokingly tell you the common theme is that it's not slowing down Okay. <laughs> okay. Right, right now. Uh, but I don't think that was really your question. <laughs> really your question. You know, I think the, the common theme that I'm seeing in, Caveat, I am not an expert in, in uh, the venue development space. I'm not a developer. You know, I know enough to be dangerous about what, what, I, what I see in here. And the, the prime factor to me goes back to experience. It is an experiential economy, whether you're the parent or a kid participating or a sibling. Complexes that provide experiential opportunities and how... Uh, everything from before they get there till after they leave. That to me is sort of the trend on the innovation side that we're seeing. How do you make this experiential economy, whether it's streaming it to family that couldn't be there for the tournament or, um, you know, your food and beverage service or, you know, the, the local market um, discounts that are getting served up to you while, you, while you're there, the, the amount of technology that goes into improving the consumer experience is is amazing there's new things coming out every every day yeah you know i think that's that's definitely one of the things and and you brought up john shaner up in the of the blue ridge area and, and you didn't pay me for a, that shout out but no 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 listen john is he's one of the good guys man. i've known john a long time and and he really has a unique uh setup there and how they do it in the parks and recs and it is a case study in itself and and more people should he probably will kill me for saying this. More people should pay attention to what he's doing up there. But <laughs> it's just it's one of the things like, no, yep. nobody should. I don't want anybody to know what I'm doing up here. That experience, like you said, it's more than just sporting events these days. It is the experience, the restaurant experience, the, the experience of all the things that people are, are going to these destinations, no matter where it is, and going through. I know that in, in this area of Florida, the restaurant scene has started to boom as it has in a lot of downtown and metropolitan areas around the country. And that is, I think, a big part of the experience for the families that are coming in, right? They want to yeah. go in and have a, have a good meal. Mom wants to have a good meal. When yeah, I mean, we're, yeah, we're living in the age of TripAdvisor and stuff like that. So people want Instagrammable moments at the, you know, at the local top rated restaurant or that attraction or that 
you know, in our, in our case out here, it's that's that iconic view, right? right. Or arch or a canyon or a mountain or something like that. I mean, people want that and they're they're turning and there's an opportunity to turn these you know, default tourists. I call sports tourism default tourism in a lot of regards, because if my kid, if if Timbuktu USA is on the schedule for his baseball tournament next week, we're going there whether I would have picked that place or not. Right. So right. how do we take that that little conduit of exposure and maximize it for our for our community? And, and it's it's based on experience. And, and uh, I, don't, I don't see that changing at all. And that's the beauty of sport. I know I keep going back to it and it's not to devalue the other segments of tourism because um, they all play a role, but you know, you go to a, a small conference or convention or something like that. And nobody in the local market, except for maybe the, the host venue or something like that knows that you're there. Um, but when sports come to town as our buddy, Josh Dylan Frisco says all the time, you know, you can't deny when you see 400, girls running around in soccer shin guards. <laughs> this has a very public profile. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, Jennifer, you've had so much experience in the sports world. You've done PGA events and, you know, with college scene and been in Louisville and all the things that you've done. I'm going to ask you an off the wall question. Okay. What's been your favorite? Oh, that's a, that's a really tough, <laughs> that's probably the hardest question you've asked me, Kevin. <laughs> You know, um, oh, geez, there's been so many different things that's been really neat to get a part, to be a part of from, you know, just cutting teeth on the side of the event side. Um, my first event ever was the 08 Ryder Cup at Valhalla and then um, going to the sports commission side of it. And, and now, but I'll tell you, um, I had a really cool opportunity last November to present at the UN's World Sports Tourism Congress in Spain. And it wasn't even necessarily going to Europe. I, I wound up taking my husband and our two kids with us. My kids are homeschooled and their, their curriculum last year was cultures of the world. So I thought, what well, if there's not a better way to expose them to cultures of the world, this is it. So I took them all with me and we had an opportunity to go to see a, um, an FC Barcelona game. And I've never seen anything like it, Kevin. I mean, okay. all the sporting events, all the pro events, all of those things, it was to me the definition of pure sport. I mean, there yeah. was there wasn't concessionaires going up and down, there wasn't, you know, crazy video boards, there wasn't, you know, tons of cheerleaders and t-shirt launchers and all the things that I just talked about from an experience a fan experience perspective. It was, there was none of that. I mean, people were, first of all, crazy, just totally rabid at this event, but it was just about the sport. It was about the competition on the field. And it was like nothing I have ever seen. And it just sort of reminded me in the, in the age and space of just this hyper commercialization of what we do. And don't get me wrong. Barcelona is a very commercialized entity. Oh, yeah. But it was just the purity of the sport that struck me. And I love that. And they were chanting and screaming and my kids were chanting right along. And I was really glad it was in Spanish because it was probably curse words, you know, that my, <laughs> my, my eight and nine year old shouldn't have been, shouldn't have been repeating. But um, to have that experience as a, as a sports professional and then to be able to do that with my family was, it was second to none for me. Sport, sport does do that. 
<laughs> yeah. So, exactly. so a follow up to that, to that, Jennifer is obviously you'll go back to Barcelona. Hundred percent. I mean, talk is, about exposure. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, does that is that tend to be a, a trend that you see? Is that yeah. people will come to a community and then come back? Yeah, revisitation. I mean, I think people are always, well, traditionally when you look at traditional tourism, it's like we want repeat visitors because it's just the marketing escalator 101, right? It's easier to, to keep a consumer than it is to generate a new one. I mean, this is not, not a novel concept. I would, I say that's fantastic. You can get them to come back and, uh, get, you know, we're, we're already planning when our next trip over there is going to be, it, it was such a fantastic experience. The revisitation piece of it is huge. Now, the, I always say the holy grail is give me a move there, right? Yeah. right? If you get me to relocate a family or a business there, and that's really getting into that economic development lens that's, of business recruitment and retention, right? That's not an issue in Florida. Not an no. issue in Florida. <laughs> not, not that much of an issue in Colorado right yeah. now, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. You in Texas aren't getting, we're getting here in Colorado, but... <laughs> But yeah, I mean that's the that's the holy grail. This is this is not necessarily repeat visitation is great. We'll take it. Doesn't mean it's bad. Just like measuring economics isn't bad. It is it is it is necessary. But you get people that are ambassador ambassadors and, and move into your community and are maybe bringing other businesses or employees and their families and stuff like that. That's an economic impact that we couldn't even begin to to analyze. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 you're right to to have your your children exposed to that type and that level of pure sport is is the best thing ever. My daughter grew up, and she's gone to all types of sporting events. and And I asked her now that she's 24 years old. I'm like, what are you going to do when you don't get free seats? She goes, I just won't go. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, she goes, Are we in a suite? You know, your, yeah. your kids will get to that point. Hey, we're in the suite, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you're bringing up a very real thing, right? Like as sport has grown and as it's developed in commercialization with, you know, the, the, the private sector and all that, you know, one of the charges I think we have at the local community level is to continue to increase access to sport participation uh, among all members of our communities. And we've seen this travel sport keep growing where, you know, if my, my 10 year old son doesn't make the travel baseball team. He's done playing baseball for the rest of his life. And I think as the quarterbacks in our communities for sport, you know, again, the input is those, those visitors coming in, but we need to leverage that to, to an outcome of producing opportunities for recreational participation in our, in our communities. And that that's across the socioeconomic spectrum right now. It's like, if you go, if you don't go travel sport, you're done at the ripe age of 10 or 11 or whatever it is. Um, but, but when we see mental health statistics and, and obesity statistics and everything that we're watching coming out of the unspeakable, um, if we're not playing a role in the solution to that in our communities, then we are, we are sorely remiss. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I think, uh, Jennifer, you, you've made an incredible point there. And, you know, I, I hate to say that's the place to stop, but I, I think that's a very, very great point to leave on. And to me, you've hit the nail directly on the head that the input and the things that we do in sports and what we do on the travel side, the output has got to be an investment back into the community of sports. 
And I'm summarizing what you said, but you know I agree with you 110% because we've had this conversation. Yep. So yep. <laughs> we've had this conversation and we'll keep driving that point home, you and I. Some well, point, someone will listen to us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it used to be a few of us out on that uh, branch by ourselves and slowly yeah. but surely there there's some comrades joining in the in the cause. And I think ultimately we're going to be able to measure that, Kevin, when we start to see how these organizations are funded and the lodging tax. And that piece is important. But when we start to see grant funding and corporate partnership and sponsorship and all these other things on the rise, we'll know that we're starting to, to level out that playing field, pun intended. <laughs> That's great. That's a great pun, too. That's a fantastic <laughs> pun. Well, Dr. Jennifer Stoll, and you're a real doctor in our eyes. <laughs> you should tell my kids, <laughs> would you? You're, you're our second doctor. Dr. Jennifer Stoll with Stoll Sports Strategies, LLC, out of Grand Junction, Colorado. We really appreciate you being on the Hope Experience. And Jack and I would like to thank you for spending some time with us today and having some good conversation on the value of sports in our country. Absolutely. My pleasure. Great, great to be with you guys. Thank you for tuning in to the Polk Experience. To contact us, email me, jack at visitcentralflorida.org. For more information on this or any of the other events going on here in Central Florida, feel free to check our website, visitcentralflorida.org.